Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Last week, I spoke to you all about the dark corners, right? If you were here, you remember we, we talked about the dark corners of our lives that we try to hide away from others, especially Jesus, right? We let him in to our homes, we let him into our lives, but we still, we have these corners, right? But we hide away, we don't let anyone in, we, we hide secret sin in. And we all give up things to follow Jesus. Aaron and I like to say a lot that obedience is costly. Right? It costs something up front to be obedient to God. It pays off in the long run, don't get me wrong. There is, is so many rewards in obedience, but it's costly. We give up things sometimes to follow Jesus. The, the disciples left behind all kinds of things. They left behind businesses, hobbies. They left behind tax collecting, which is very lucrative. Some of them left behind a home and a family and a career path. They left things behind to follow Jesus. And Jesus asked that of them. Drop everything and follow me. And I'm sure they left behind a couple of dark corners, too. Things to work through in the three years that they follow Jesus and were discipled by him. And I, I think we spent the last four weeks of this series talking about how we get to be different. As believers, it is a privilege and an honor. It is amazing that Paul got up when he was surrounded by believers, right? That's how we kicked off the series. We get to be different as believers. We get to get up. We get to define ourselves by our Savior. We get to be built different, as Aaron Holt explained when he was with us we get to have even if he doesn't faith as we talked about last week but we also have to be different follow that we don't only get to be different we have to be different I just couldn't leave this series without talking about this Jesus came to make us holy again in the sight of our father without Jesus we aren't good enough I know that sounds harsh <laughs> But it's just a fact. God is so good and so perfect that nothing imperfect can exist within him or with him. We don't measure up. Plain and simple, we have no way of getting to the father of the universe, the creator of the universe. We cannot have a relationship with him without Jesus. And believe me, we want to. Oh, the father is love. The, the song we sang this morning, God is love. He doesn't have love or give love. He is love. It's a distinction we miss sometimes. He is love. Someone once said to me, well, I, I, I don't know how to explain to my teenage daughter why a good God would send people to hell. It's just something she can't wrap her mind around. It's, it's getting in the way of her faith. She just can't wrap her mind around it. And I, I had to explain to her, well, listen, a good father gives his children what they want, right? And if our whole lives we tell God we want nothing to do with him, we push him away over and over and over, he's going to give us exactly what we want, and that is separation from him. And God is love. So that is separation from love, all of it. That is, is separation from all good things. James 1.17 tells us all good and perfect things come from the Father. 
Imagine a place separate from love, devoid of all love, all good things. That is all justice, all peace, all joy, right? Jesus is, is light and hope. All of it is gone because we have told God over and over, we don't want that. We don't want him. Separation from God. No wonder hell it is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is devoid of all things good, all things God. So any amount of love and joy and peace and hope and goodness that you experience here on earth are him. It's him. On this earth, we have a mixture, right? Good and evil. We hope to save as many people as possible from the reality that is hell. Total separation from God the Father for eternity. The only way to do that is Jesus. The only way to do that is Jesus. He took the sin and the selfishness, the things that disqualify us from being with God. He took it on that cross. And all we have to do is truly believe in him. Jesus gave us his holiness. We now put on his holiness like clothing, the Bible says. We can put it on. So when we go into the presence of God, he sees Jesus. That is what Jesus did for us. But holiness is not only something Jesus has done for you. It must also be chosen. The gospel is a participation sport, right? You have to participate in it for it to be a reality in your own life. That is, Jesus did the hard work on the cross, but you must still choose to claim it and to walk in it. It's an important distinction. We don't only get to be different. We have to be different. The verse God gave me this week is 1 Thessalonians Five through six, two verses, I guess. For you are all children of the light and children of the day. Children of the light and children of the day. We're going to read this whole passage in just a moment. We don't belong to the night nor to darkness. This is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do, but keep wide awake and clear-headed. We're not children of the darkness. We are children of the light. And as children of the light, as Christians who are different, we can stay in the light. Nothing needs to come between us and God. And yet sometimes we decide sometimes to duck behind other things. Okay, imagine this light coming towards me this morning is Jesus. It's the light of God, the love of God. And yet sometimes I, right? I put things between me and God. I I block out the light and I duck behind the shadow of something else. Now there's two main things. Now I looked at that light and can't see anything else. (laughs) Woo! Instead of being in Jesus, we get stuck in a shadow. And there's two main shadows that we get stuck behind. That is the shadow of this world, which is a fairly obvious one. Right, We get stuck in in darkness and selfishness and sin and a little bit here and a little bit there and it comes between us and God. We, we put this thing between us. We're no longer standing in the light. We're standing in the shadow of the light, meaning we still get to experience some of God, but it's muted. It's far away. It's, it's not in its wholeness. The Bible talks about the fullness of salvation. We might experience some of him on earth, even when we don't have Jesus, but it's not all of it, right? There's the shadow of the world, but the sort of less obvious one, the one that's more difficult to identify is the shadow of the law. It is the shadow of religion. 
right? It's a little more difficult to identify because we think it's light. The Bible says how deep that darkness is when we think it's light. Right? It's, it's pride. It's rules and regulations. It's trying to follow everything so perfectly that once you feel like you are, then you're looking down your nose at the rest of the world. It's religion. It's pride. It's a shadow of the law. And great theology exists in the in-between. <laughs> in-between the two. I almost see them as polar opposites. The shadow of the world and the shadow of the law. And somewhere in-between is basking in the light and love of Jesus. And I want to suggest to you today that great followership, great discipleship, great obedience, great parenting, great everything that we do as Christians exists in that in between, in the light and love of Jesus. We are children of that light, children of the day, children of the gospel, which brings life and immortality to light. That's who we are. We have to know who we are and whose we are to stay in that light. And as I was thinking about this, just this morning, getting ready for church, there was a song playing in my house that had this lyric that I didn't understand at first. And it goes, um, we've grown older than our God. We've grown older than our God. And it was a Christian artist, so I had to sit there and listen for a minute. What on earth does that mean? We've grown older than our God. And I was sitting there taking in what this song was really saying, and I started to think about this concept, children of the light. Something Jesus called us as well. He said he called us children of the light. It was a a him concept, not just a Paul concept from 1 Thessalonians. Most of this sermon was written about the second part of that concept, the light part. But I was thinking about this this morning, and I think if We're going to go over the rest of the light stuff, but I think today's message for Freedom Valley is probably the first part, the childlike part, the children of the light part. What if if one of the main attributes of Christianity, the, the thing that should make us different from the world, is actually that we are meant to be children of the light? We're meant to be child. Like that song was saying, we've grown older than our God because our God wants us to remain childlike, innocent and pure like Jesus was. We, th- we think we've grown out of God. We think we've grown up, right? We aged out of that concept of a God that is good. We get bitter and angry. We, we think we know better. We think we've matured, but God doesn't want us that way. He wants us childlike. Children of the light. Jesus was sinless. He was innocent. He didn't lose his childlike sense of wonder. I don't think he lost his ability to laugh freely, even through loss and grief and pain. I I don't think he lost his ability to have fun, to enjoy the life that God has given us. That's why his first miracle is my favorite. Do you all know which miracle was his first? Trivia question, pop quiz. Turning the water into wine. It baffles a lot of Christians, especially if you're standing in the shadow of the law. (laughs) Why would Jesus do that? After they were already drunk, why would he turn water into wine? I think it's because he loved people. (laughs) That's why it's my favorite, because it seems so un-Jesus-like. He loved to do things that was unexpected. 
right? Things that you didn't expect him to do. And he keeps us on his toes. He just, he loves people. I, I think he did it because of that, to celebrate. I think he did it as a child for his mother. Celebrate family. You know, now we're going to read the rest of this chapter today. I want you to keep that concept in the back of your mind. We don't only get to remain childlike as Christians. We have to remain childlike as Christians. There's a piece of this that requires our participation. Okay, First Thessalonians is a letter to the people of Thessalonica from Paul to a church that he had established in his second missionary journey. He had sent a messenger back to this church. Now, remember, Paul was an apostle. He was an evangelist. He traveled around from town to town, and he began these churches. And so he sent a messenger to Thessalonica, and the messenger goes, and he comes back, and he says, look, they had a lot of questions. At least we assume he said that because of all the questions that Paul answers in this letter. And so Paul knows something about being different. He knows a thing or two by this point in his missionary journeys about being different as a believer. We've read so many of those stories lately, right? And here he is trying to explain it to other believers. And their main question, it would seem, because of how he answers it in this letter, is when is Jesus coming back? It's a question we sort of skate around a lot too. Still, 2,000 years later, right? Well, when is Jesus going to come back? Why, why does he allow, why does a good God allow such evil in this world? When is it going to get better? Why isn't Jesus coming back to fix it already? All right, Jesus is coming back soon, right? How, how long do I have to suffer through this world before he comes back? And so Paul addresses it 2,000 years ago, and I believe it's still just as relevant today. And we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, concerning the question of God's precise times and specific seasons, you don't, need to, you don't need me to write anything to you. For you already know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly and as a complete surprise. For while some are saying, finally, we have peace and security, sudden destruction will arrive at their doorstep like labor pain seizing a pregnant woman and with no chance of escape. But you, beloved brothers and sisters, are not living in the dark, allowing that day to creep up on you like a thief coming to steal. For you are all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night nor to darkness. That is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do, but keep wide awake and clear-headed. For those who are asleep, sleep the night away, and drunkards get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must stay alert and clear-headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and a helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. For God has not destined us to experience wrath, but to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He gave his life for us so that we may share in resurrection life in union with him, whether we're awake or asleep. Because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another, just as you have already been doing. There's some clues in this passage about how to remain awake, about our participation in what Jesus is doing in sanctifying his church and making us holy before God. Now, our bodies need sleep, right? We all understand that our bodies 
need sleep. Most American adults don't get enough sleep, studies show, in fact. But our bodies must rest, and taking care of yourself and getting that sleep that you need is extremely important. But this passage isn't just talking about physical rest. In fact, it's not talking about physical rest at all. It's talking about spiritual alertness. And we all understand the concept well enough that we probably shouldn't eat white sugar, right? Drink high fructose corn syrup, right? (laughs) We get that concept. It's probably not good for us. But most of us settle for, you know, just sometimes. We we cut back a little. A soda once a day or week isn't a terribly bad thing, right? A cookie here and there, not a problem. Some of us just ignore the health nuts altogether, sure. But the studies say... That sugar is probably the most addictive substance on the planet. (laughs) True story. There have been studies done in mice and things. It's actually more addictive than heroin, cocaine, nicotine. Like the most addictive substance on the planet. And it's like literally poison too. Uh, It actually literally shuts down your immune system for a while after you eat it. But it just tastes so good. Right? We're literally eating poison, and yet, <laughs> a little here, a little there. It's not so bad, right? It's okay. Don't get me wrong, we're meant to enjoy life. Ecclesiastes 7.16, I always think of that in this uh, scenario, because it actually says, don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? <laughs> I think of that when I'm eating cookies. Uh, <laughs> God actually built in celebration and fun and feasts into Jewish life in the Old Testament, right? That was for a reason. We're meant to not only be productive and toil away, but to live, to enjoy this life that God has given us, but all in moderation, right? Poison in moderation, I guess. While it's okay to sometimes have sugar for our physical bodies, we often treat our spiritual souls the same. And it's a little more dangerous with your soul. A little bit of poison here and there won't hurt. A little lust here and there can't hurt. A little gossip. I had a little skipping my tithe. Doesn't mean I don't trust God, surely. Just for this week. (laughs) Right? Uh, I only hate that one person. I swear it's for a good reason. I can forgive everything, but not that. I'm only stubborn about this one thing, (laughs) right? I'd rather watch TV than hear from God today. That one hurt a little bit. Skipping church just this once doesn't mean that I don't value the work my pastor has put in to hear from God for me in my life. (laughs) This is one is interesting because the next couple of verses actually in this passage, verse 12 says, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you, for they are your leaders who care for you, teach you, and stand before the Lord on your behalf. They value you with great love because of their service to you. Let peace reign among yourselves. I love that it says, repay your pastors with peace. (laughs) Do you know People ask me a lot how to best support us, right, as their pastors, what they can do to help. The number one thing you can do to let your pastors know you're supportive and that that you care is show up. Just show up. 
And we pray for you. We prepare for you. We implore God to speak through us. And I believe that he does. It's not just my words today or any given Sunday. It's God's words. I just want you to hear it. Just want you to be here to experience it. But just one Sunday, just a little poison here and there won't hurt. Just a little gossip, just a little lust, just a little sin, selfishness. The problem with this is that we're putting ourselves to sleep over and over again, little by little. Just the sugar inhibits our body's ability to be healthy. Sin inhibits our ability to stay spiritually awake. Falling asleep. We're stepping a little into the shadow. Right? And this whole series has been about the gospel, the pure light and love of Jesus Christ, just how much he has done for us. And yet we slip into the shadow instead of standing in the light. You know, I have been practicing radical honesty is what I call it. Radical honesty with myself over the past few years. I've explained this concept a number of times, but let me just explain it again, because radical honesty is one of those things that will keep you from falling asleep if practiced correctly. That is, you cannot practice radical honesty on other people. Let me say that first and clearly. <laughs> you cannot practice it with other people. It must be practiced on yourself. And it is really just a practice of looking inward when you see behavior coming out of you that you don't necessarily like. So first of all, you have to watch your own behavior a little bit. And you also watch the excuses that come up after. I was just, um, you know, I haven't had my coffee yet, so I was bitey this morning, right? I'm sorry. But are you? Because you just blamed it on the coffee, right? Or I've had a really tough month. I was mean because I had a really tough month. Or I didn't get any sleep the night before. You have to understand. Radical honesty does not understand. Radical honesty doesn't let you get away with those excuses. And let me tell you, we are good at excuses. It's not usually just one excuse we have. Under that excuse is another one. You get rid of that one, there's another one. <laughs> there's a lot of excuses. And inevitably for me, usually it comes back to pride. And I was rude because I thought I deserved whatever, or I was rude because I was making myself look more important, or I thought my thing was more important than your thing. I don't know. The Bible actually says most sin comes back to three main sins. There's like a base sin under all of the others, and that is pride, lust, and greed. Pride, lust, and greed. Most of the things that we do come back to pride, lust, and greed, and most of the selfish, sinful things that we do. Right, And if we allow ourselves to not get away with all of the excuses, if we, we don't let ourselves hide under those, we can stand in the light of Jesus and the gospel and just say, God, I'm sorry. Would you take this from me? I, I, I'm desperate today for this sermon to come across not as judgy or religious. right? Because we can easily get to a place where we're saying, I just need to be better. I need to be better. I need to get rid of this thing in my life. I need to walk out of here and just have more faith. Just be better. It's not the gospel message, actually. The gospel message is grace. It is 
hope. It is love. It is grace for all of those things. And yet it's still, let's step up. It's, it's both at the same time. We have to break secrecy with ourselves, though, to get to that. And this is a concept I'm maybe do a sermon series on soon, but the concept of breaking secrecy. Secrecy is powerful. All kinds of things we hide with secrecy. I've been talking about these dark corners. They're the ones we hide down in the basement of our soul and we don't let anyone else in on because if anybody knew, I'd be so ashamed. Anybody knew, right? We have to break that secrecy because there's power over us with the darkness. Break that secrecy with ourselves, at least with God. I can look back at places where I was keeping something secret. I was explaining it away. I was hiding it from people. And the minute that I broke secrecy with that thing, something seemed to change. I can point to moments in my life where I admitted something, I confessed something, I I prayed about something in my life, and I said it out loud to another person. And that Situation was never the same again. Breaking secrecy is so powerful. When you're able to admit it out loud, it breaks the power. This is confession, the concept of confession in the Bible. Admit your sins to one another and you will be healthy, the Bible says. Right? Generally, the reasons that we hide things, can I just be real with you? They're dumb. People notice anyway. People are a lot more observant than you think they are. We think we're being so secretive with things. Our reasons for hiding them are just silly. They're crap. Their pride, their arrogance, trying to make yourself seem better than you are. Usually the people I look up to most are just honest. They're real. Not perfect, but honest. It takes real courage to be yourself to that degree. Yeah, I struggle with this struggled for a long time. Jesus, help me, <laughs> right? Just be honest in the, the power of that. Look, we're meant to be warriors, not sleepers. I think I said this last week. We're, we're meant to put our armor on as Christians, not our pajamas, right? And that warrior spirit starts first with ourselves. It is more often our own sin than other people's that we have to deal with because it comes up constantly. When Jesus comes back, I want to be found training, not laying down on the job. I want to be found warring in the spirit. And to do that, I have to remain awake and clear-headed because we win battles in the spiritual. We see things through the spiritual, not the emotional, not the physical, the spiritual. This is why fasting is so important. Fasting helps us to see things through the physical, through the emotional, to see what's actually going on underneath. If your physical, selfish, natural part of you walks all over your good intentions all the time, you should probably do a fast, right? If you have these good intentions, you just don't get to it fast. It pulls back the control. It gives you back control, Right, that's the most important revelation I've ever received from fasting is I separated my physical self, this body that craves things all the time, things I don't want, right? Poison, sugar, craves all kinds of things I shouldn't have. And I separate that part of me from the spiritual side that actually should be in control. That's what fasting does. I give that control to Jesus rather than let my body have that control. And every time... 
That lack of self-control creeps back in because it is sneaky and it creeps back all the time. Fast. Get back control. Give it back to Jesus, right? You wonder why you get knocked down with every single storm that comes through. It's because you haven't practiced in the good times. Fasting is practicing. It's being kind to people even when you've had no sleep. Even when you haven't had your coffee yet. (laughs) That's why the Bible actually says don't tell everybody when you're fasting. Right? You don't have to announce it to the world and look like, you know, back then they were putting ashes all over their face and tearing their clothes and just looking like a mess. Oh, I'm fasting. I'm holier than you. Don't tell anybody you're fasting. Fast and be on your best behavior anyway. You're separating your spirit from your body, which wants to be really crabby and grumpy when you haven't had any food or coffee, right? Jesus fasted. He withdrew to rest, to pray, to be with his father. He had some intense jobs to accomplish here on this earth, and he knew he couldn't do it alone. He couldn't sleep on the job. Before he started his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. There's incredible significance in that. He got control before he went out into the mission field. All right, and let's continue reading this passage, verse 14. We appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. And be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. Resist revenge and make sure that no one pays back evil in the place of evil. But always pursue doing what is beautiful to one another and to all the believers. Be skilled. Be faithful. Be quick. Here's Three easy ways to fall asleep spiritually that this passage is trying to give us some clues about, right? Be skilled. Uh, Stop seeing church as a place to serve. Sorry, the way to fall asleep is to stop seeing church as a place to serve. Stop seeing people as a mission field. We get to this place when we fall asleep that people are just... People are too much. People are overwhelming. Church would be great if it weren't for the people. (laughs) What would be the point of church without people, right? The text says to be skilled at gently encouraging others. We get bitter and mean when left to our own devices. It takes work to build a skill. It, it, you've got to hone a skill. You've got to practice it. You've got to get around people who feel inadequate. It means you have to be a disciple maker. And when we stop being a disciple maker, we start falling asleep. I've seen this happen a lot in the church. People don't find a place to replicate their faith. Right? But we did a series earlier this year called The Wellspring, right? Where we're supposed to pour the Holy Spirit into the well. Do you remember the well we had up here? Pour the Holy Spirit into the well of our soul, and then we overflow. And that overflow isn't meant for you. It's meant for everybody else. But you stop pouring the Holy Spirit in and overflowing onto other people and you start to decay. You start to go backward. We are all meant to be disciple makers. The easiest way to fall asleep spiritually is to not be one. You've got to replicate your faith in others. Stop seeing church as a place to come and just receive. Start seeing it as a place to give, to encourage, to get involved, to give in to others and you'll stay awake. The second thing I can see in this passage, way to stay awake is to be faithful. Being compromising. 
with your beliefs, with your morality, with your holiness. Another way to fall asleep. We compromise with the world all the time. Compromise with our own selfishness, right? A little sugar here and there isn't bad. A little poison for my soul here and there isn't bad, but we're putting ourselves to sleep. The text says to be faithful, to stand your ground. I think a lot of Christians apply this to other people, to the world, to culture. But I think nine times out of ten, we actually just compromise with ourselves, with our own cravings, with selfishness, with things that we want or we think we deserve, right? It's our own sinful and selfish nature that we compromise with, not usually the world. Sometimes it's the world. The world cares less about your habits than you probably think. (laughs) We're at war with our own sin. Hold yourself to a standard. Despite what others do, this isn't about others and their behavior. It's about your behavior in spite of them. I just reacted that way because everybody else was doing whatever. Come on. You're called to be leaders. You're called to be the light of the world, the salt of the world. You're called to stand up and let your light shine. You don't get the excuses. This is what I'm talking about. We, we don't just get to be different. We have to be different. Knowing that we represent Jesus here on earth. I understand that you can be better. You can be faithful with the help of the Holy Spirit. And know that your faithfulness may be helping others to stand again too. It's another thing we went over in the series, right? Your freedom may be about someone else. Or lots of someone else's. And by the way, a compromise with the law isn't better. Because remember, there's two shadows. We duck between the shadow of the world with the selfishness. And then we duck between the shadow of the law sometimes too. Thinking just church attendance, that's what will save me. Or just me being a good person, that's what will save me. This isn't about the shadow of the world or the shadow of the law. Standing in the light of Jesus. Right? Be faithful to Jesus. The third way that we fall asleep sometimes is by letting pride win. The text says, be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. Pride is usually that thing <laughs> causes us to not be patient with everyone. We want to blame it on the coffee, sure. Or we want to blame it on the lack of sleep. It's probably pride, though. <laughs> If you look deep enough, if you're radically honest enough with yourself, it's probably pride. The text says to be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. I love the Bible for making me think about things so differently. You don't usually think about patience as something that happens quickly, right? It's a choice, though. Choose to be patient. And when you're not, you're in the back of your head, oh, there's a place that I can probably get better at, right? I think this one is ultimately just about being humble. The arrogant, the prideful, the busy don't have time to give to others. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan, for example, right? The story told by Jesus, where he said, look, there was somebody hurting on the side of the road and a priest passed by. Somebody maybe in the shadow of the law didn't help. A Levite passed by. Again, law didn't help. It was the guy who Everybody else looked down on the Samaritan who ultimately helped because he wasn't busy. (laughs) He wasn't about his own business. 
He's looking for people to help be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. The spiritually awake give their time generously to people. There's a, a theologian that always says, um, in all his books, uh, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your lives. That is how you grow spiritually. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. That is, stay awake. Keep your eyes open to the world around you. Help people that need help. Don't be about only your own business, but about his business. Because of Jesus. Think about it. The God of the universe came down to spend 33 years on this dirty, rotten, stinking planet with us sinful, terrible people. Now, he didn't just die on the cross. He spent time with us. He laughed and he cried with us. He didn't come down from the heavens like Thor and be the Savior and then ride off again. He came to be with us, to love us. He laughed and he cried with us. With impetuous Peter and doubting Thomas and even thieving, betraying Judas. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. Judas ate with him too. With the self-righteous and, and the sick and the lame and the ones full of questions and the children and the politicians and us with humanity. Jesus came for us to be with us. Love won the battle, not just sacrifice. In fact, sacrifice without love means very little. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 means? It's just manipulation without love. And don't ever get to this place where you don't have time for people. Be quick to demonstrate patience. Stay awake to the needs, the hurts, the fears, the doubts of people. Help them to stand. Thinking you know everything. Not being kind. It's a really quick way to fall asleep. And there's something unique about the Christian experience that asks us to constantly and self-sacrificially challenge ourselves. Just like he did. As the band comes, I want to read this final couple of verses to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy. And will thoroughly complete his work in you. Today, God's word for you is this. There is rest for you in Jesus spiritually, but do not fall asleep. You do not have to be the end all, say all, savior of your family. Only Jesus can do that. Let him rest in the knowledge and in his power that it's not about you doing everything and being everything to keep your family together or keep your business together or keep your life together. Just stay awake and clear-headed spiritually in the light of Jesus. Be skilled, be faithful, be quick. Be who God has called you to be. Some of us are mothers and fathers. Some of us are evangelists. Some of us are prophets. Some of us are businessmen and women. Some are homemakers. Some are church elders. Right? No matter who you are, be you, the you that God has called you to be. But stay awake. Stay awake.
you can fall asleep at any age, any stage of growth. I just don't. This is our participation in this, that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't only get to be different as Christians, we have to be different as Christians. Christianity is a gift, but it's also a discipline. For all, for you are all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night nor to darkness. Listen, today, I want to challenge you. We've had powerful moments around this altar, this series, where God has just poured into us. He's healed us and changed us from the inside out. I've talked to so many of you who said this series has just been so powerful in your lives. But today... We're going to pour back into him. We're going to sing the song that we sang earlier. We're going to pour out our hearts to him. Because listen, when we do, he changes us from the inside out. I told you earlier, you don't have to walk out of these doors today saying, I just have to be better. Putting more pressure on yourself. Let him do that work within you. Let him do that work within you. You focus on Jesus. I, I tell this story a lot, but most powerful moment that I ever experienced for repentance in my life came, I was sitting right down here on a Tuesday morning, we had staff chapel back then and and we started with worship and I remember everybody singing around me and I was standing but I wasn't singing in my head I was saying God I, I don't deserve to be here I don't deserve to be a Christian. I don't deserve to be a ministry. I don't deserve any of it. There's all these leaders and pastors around me. I don't deserve to be here. I know what I should do. I've grown up in church. I know what I should do. I don't do it. (laughs) And I know what I shouldn't do, and I do it anyway. And honestly, God, probably I'm just going to do it all over again tonight. So (sighs) what am I doing here? I know how good you are. This is all going on in my head as I'm, I'm standing there in worship. And the most clear word God has ever said to me, I mean, it was practically like he was in the room. As I was going through all of these things in my head, I guess I finally gave him a moment to speak. I was quiet for a minute and I just stood there, defeated and, you know, head down and deserve this. God only said four words to me and it changed my life forever. And he said, but I love you. But I love you. But I love you. And in that moment, everything changed for me because it wasn't about my behavior anymore. And it wasn't about how good I am how many boxes I check. It wasn't about getting A-pluses in every area and just killing it. It wasn't about my holiness or my righteousness or my behavior at all. Sometimes I think we, we focus too much on the behavior as Christians, especially I was a kid's pastor for six years. And I didn't want to teach those kids just how to be good little boys and girls. I wanted to teach them Jesus. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, God can say, but I love you. And that covers everything you just said. 
I love you. Right? Acknowledging in, in perfect God wisdom, he, he acknowledged everything I just said with the but, right? But I love you. But what he was saying to me is that love covers it. My love, my grace for you covers it. And if you can just believe in that love, believe in how good and pure and holy it is, it makes you want to change. That was the difference in that moment. And I will never go back from that moment. It became more about his love than what I did or did not do. It became more about his love than my own behavior and trying to be better and, and different. Now, I don't just have to muster it. I don't just have to be better. Because honestly, none of us are. Not one person. This has never been a church that we come in and we pretend, right? We're real with each other. We can be real in the presence of God. This is not a place we have to hide behind the shadow of the wall. Church is home. Church is your living room with God. It's inviting Jesus into your kitchen, not keeping him at the front door, showing him those dark corners, allowing him to say, hey, maybe we, can we clean this up? Let me help you with that. Because of his love, I want to change. I don't have to change. I want to be better. To live up to that love for me. I don't want to disappoint him. I want to be worthy of that love. It's a big distinction. I know it doesn't sound like a lot. It's a big distinction to want to change versus having to change. That is the gospel. Jesus came for you. For me. He came to take on that sin and shame, to give us grace, to tell us how much God loves us, that God is real, God is good, and he loves us so much he sent his son. So today, we're going to focus on that love, sing about that love, we're going to bask in his love, we're going to raise both hands to heaven and surrender to his love, we're going to stand and we're going to sing our hearts out. And not just mustering the faith, just focusing on his love. Will you stand and sing with me today? I say about my God is love. 
How great this love Oh, it's faithful through my failures This trusted love Is with me till the end How great this love Oh, it's closer than a brother This love He died so I could live He is good And He is God And what I earn It's not what I
God is good. I want to hear you sing that again. He is good. He is good. Sing it out. Thank you for freedom in Christ. Thank you for peace that passes all understanding. Thank you that you are in the fire with us. You are in the storm with us. Thank you that you call us by name. That you know each and every one of us down to the amount of hair on our head. And you know the gifts and callings that you've placed within us. And they're without repentance that nothing can take them away. God, thank you for not just being for us, but being with us. Thank you for love. Thank you that you love us enough to send your son. God, this week I just ask that you would pour your love out on us. We would understand it more deeply. Know it more intimately, that we would allow it in further. We would allow the, the light and life of your love to invade those dark corners. We would truly find it within us to believe that you are enough. We don't need that corner anyway. That sin, that selfishness, we don't need it. And that there would be no fear in admitting it. No fear in giving it up. No fear in confessing it to somebody we trust truly walking away walking towards you God I pray that we would truly be grateful that we don't only get to be different we have to be different but the difference isn't just our behavior the difference is our reliance on you the difference is that we know the love of the father and we just want others to experience it too Help us be that light to the world, the hope that we would be disciple makers on this earth, communicating the love of Jesus everywhere we go, not the condemnation and the guilt and the shame, just the love. Thank you. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 